Welcome to Top 5, a show where we rank and list and categorize everything under the sun. This week we've got a fascinating, fascinating topic. Mm-hmm. Top 5 things they never should have canceled. Ooh. Now granted, there are a lot of... of the Dark Knight. Well, hey, you know what? Legends of the Dark Knight, if you look at that series, and and again, listeners, if you've never been over to Major Spoilers and you don't know anything about that, I encourage you to do that because, you know, not everyone who listens to this show are big comic book fans. But I found a series, loved a series growing up called Legends of the Dark Knight, and it was great for about the first five years, and then it got a little stinky, and -hmm. they canceled it. And then Matthew, who's sitting over there, say hello, Matthew. Hello, Matthew. There you go. Came up and attributed something to me that I claimed to say they never should have canceled The Dark Knight. And so it became a running joke. And, uh, but, but you know you what? That series is something. Nah, that that's, series. That's how most of our stuff goes. I'm pretty sure I've never actually said, <laughs> and I like it. Well, yeah. Yeah. No, until you it said became... that too. No, no, no. Way. Until it became it's a like, joke. It's like, it's like got... saying darling for, uh, what's his name? Uh... Darling? Yeah, the Billy Crystal plays. Oh, uh, yeah. His last name is Lamas. Yeah, yeah. Fernando. Yeah, like you never actually said. Play it again, Sam. Exactly. Top five things they never should have canceled. Matthew, you're up first. <laughs> Give us your number five. You can't reboot. <laughs> well, um, as those who listen to our other podcasts and are familiar with our website know, I am sort of a comic enthusiast. And by enthusiast, I mean that I had no friends until I was 17 years old. Mm. And so my first choice for something that they never should have canceled actually was something that I really feel should still be being printed today, especially since both the writer and the artist have gone on to much bigger things. In the late 1990s, DC Comics was doing all sorts of entertaining things and creating characters who weren't just, you know, the son of the Red Tornado called Red Tornado Part 3. And Grant Morrison, who is currently, I believe, writing several of their big titles, including Action Comics, came up with Aztec, colon, the Ultimate Man. Well, that actually is a good good book. Aztec was way ahead of its time. And a lot of the things that we see in today's superhero fiction, things like heroes, things like, you know, the Dark Knight movies, things that go past just what you see in comic books are seen in very early form, you know, early in terms of the, the gestalt, the zeitgeist, if you will, in Aztec, The Ultimate Man. And it has a fascinating sequence that you almost never see anything of near the, I think it's in the very last issue where the Justice League is initiating Aztec into their ranks. And the whole thing is like a Masonic ceremony. And we see the secret iconography of the Justice League. And we see, you know, how when they induct you into the league, they actually have you there and you, you, you have to speak and, you know, you speak your thing to the Crimson Avengers costume. The Crimson, of course, being the first costume superhero in the DC universe, possibly ever, depending on how you time frame it. Aztec was really ahead of its time in terms of the concepts, in terms of the character, in terms of the stuff that they, that they did that, you know, in the 2005, six, seven, you know, 2011, you look at it and you'll go, well, I've seen this. I've seen this before. It's kind of like I tried to tell my friend Chris in college about the Beatles. We know you've heard it before. Everybody else has been ripping off the riffs from here. And I don't know if DC has actually traded Aztec the Ultimate Man, ran 10 issues. You'll probably find them in three for a dollar bins across the country. Pick them up. They are brilliant stuff. And it's, I believe, the first appearance of a supervillain called the Lizard King. Which is fun because then you can do your, you know, your Jim Morrison riffs in your head. Very good, Matthew. That was the number five for Matthew. My number five. Things they should never have canceled. Rodrigo, for you. All right. So, um, I don't cook a lot. So I eat a lot at restaurants and fast food places. And for a while, I was way into this sandwich at Subway, which was a, a steak sandwich. Mm-hmm. And they had like onion, like they had. It was the Philly steak and cheese. Um, it was uh, no, I don't think it was the Philly. It, th- it was called something else, I think. But it had like onion, like they they had a specific little thing right. with onions and peppers and right. stuff like that. Yeah, I used to love that too. Um, and every time I went in, 
they'd be they would make it and they'd be like do you do you want the peppers and and onions and stuff and i'd be like yeah because that's the best part and they would be like oh okay and i'm like do do people ask for it off and they're like yeah pretty much nobody gets it with that wow i'm like people are insane and of course eventually it went away yeah yeah. um so my number five of things they should have never canceled because it was delicious is that steak sub with the peppers and Mm -hmm. the onions not not with the peppers and onions that you get afterwards but with grill uh, grilled peppers and onions and and then a little bit of its own sauce there i used to eat that that one all the time i got fat and i I had to stop i was i was something similar now at uh, taco bell if you have a taco bell (laughs) you want to go buy a a steak and cheese sub from taco bell rodrigo Uh, it doesn't matter (laughs) anything you get at taco bell is going to be about the same level of quality so why not All right, it's, number. It's actually good. It's better than you'd expect. You know, I, I have, I, I have like, the, I have the steak gordita at Taco Bell every once in a while, and it's solid. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. Taco Bell. It's not advertising food. on this show, right? Number five for, for me. I know it's kind of a cop out, mm-hmm. but I hate it when they cancel classes. I paid money to be in this class. Mm. I want to learn about this like, class. You mean the whole class, the whole curriculum? No, for like the... a, a specific uh, class. It's like like a day. Thursday. Oh, I see. I paid money to be here. I'm ready to learn. Why'd you cancel class? I hated that. I understand the instructor's sick, but give me a video to watch. Bring in a special guest star or something this week so I can continue to learn. Dude, you're such a nerd. <laughs> but I paid good money for this class. And I don't like it when they cancel them. Mm. I know that sounds like a, a cop-out, but I hate that. That being said, I did cancel class last week. Uh, I was sick. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, for you, number four. My number four is actually, ironically, something that I didn't see until after it was actually canceled. Um, but, but apparently, at some point in the last decade or so, there was a, a, a network, and those are air quotes, network, wow. called the WBCWBWC that had this thing where they were going to take over the world and come up with good shows. And they had something called Smallville. I don't know what it was about. I think Young Batman. But they also had something that I'm, I'm very disappointed about, a 13-episode cartoon series called Mission Hill. Hmm. And if you've, if you've never seen Mission Hill... You are missing a treat because it, it aired. I actually saw it when it aired again on Adult Swim at like three in the morning. Mission Hill is basically the story of slacker kid named Andy forced to take in his 17 year old brother. And the two of them live in this, this kind of, I don't know, upscale kind of pseudo hip neighborhood called Mission Hill. But it's fascinating because even the goofy one-off characters, uh, their landlord is a man named Wally, I believe, who uh, is a gay man in a relationship with his husband. I think this may be the first time we yep. ever see two gay male characters kissing on screen. Yep. First, first homosexual and kiss there's on an TV. Entire, this is an entire episode about how Wally met Gus. And it's this incredible, just this loving tribute to these two men involving basically plan nine from outer space. Right. And every episode is filled is filled with in jokes and moments where you're just kind of like, I love these people while I also want to strangle them all to death. But it has a really great voice cast. Brian Posehn, who you may know as the guy who talks like this all the time, does a voice in this. And the character of, of Jim, who grew up to be Jim Kubak is who I want to be when I grow up. Mm-hmm. You just have to, you have to amaze, just absolutely be amazed at the, the amount of depth they put into these two dimensional cartoon characters. I think it's available on DVD. In fact, I'm almost certain it's available on DVD as of several years ago. I would say probably you can go and pick this up somewhere on Amazon or at a regular CD trade post for dirt cheap and watch it. Really, really good show. They never should have canceled this thing because honestly, in a world where The Simpsons goes 20 seasons, you could get 50 episodes easy out of Mission Hill. There you go. Rodrigo. Okay. My number, whatever number we're on. Four. Four. Uh, is also a television four, four, show. Four, 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 four. Television show. Yes. It is called 
The Others. The Others. But not The Others starring Nicole Kidman. <laughs> that movie actually came out a year later. Right. Um, but The Others is a TV show about psychics. Like oh, yeah, people yeah, yeah. who are psychics. Yeah. And they deal with paranormal stuff and they're the only ones who can see it or interact with it because they're psychic. TV show, right? Yes. I remember that. It was actually it was a, really, a really good show. It was a really good show. Each of them had their own little psychic yeah, power. Yeah, yeah. There was an empath. There was a like the the main character um played by Julianne Nicholson who is now I think still on Law and Order Criminal Intent. Mm. Um she was just kind of an all-around psychic and she could see basically see dead people. Right. Um there was an empath, there was a like straight up telepath, there was a a guy who could read like nonsensical signs for the universe and like pull them together into actual cohesive ideas and things like that. It was it was it, it was a show that was juggling a lot of interesting ideas. Um and I think people just it, it just flew by night like it was on for a season, I think. Yeah, a single season and just kind of disappeared. Yeah. And, of course, there were, like, major things that were hinted at. And basically, you don't know if, like, the main character has actually, literally, at some point, interacted and fought the devil. Yeah. And he was coming back or something like that. And it's like, Bleh. But, of course, we never get to find out what happens. Yep. Very good. Very good. Very good. Very good. For me, uh, you know, I've always been a fan of the Corvette Automobile. It's a car that's been around since the 1950s, still available today, uh, but it's gone through a lot of modifications. And one of my favorites was the 58 Corvette, because this is where we see the introduction of the side yeah. panel, try the, the two-tone um, side panel scoop that yep. goes in there. And I really like the 58 Corvette. I really like Corvettes in general. And Corvettes haven't been canceled. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. But... The car that I've always wanted that always reminds me of that 58 Corvette in a way. Now, people are going to say, there's no way those two cars are alike. Yes, they are. The BMW Z3. When that car was there's introduced. No way those two cars Shut are. up, you. <laughs> when that car was introduced in uh, 1996, I thought, wow, that was really cool. And when they came out with the Z3 2.0 or the 2.3 version where it came, kind of started to uh, get that body shape that was a little bit Corvette-ish in its, in its design and a convertible, I was like, I have got to have the Z3. It is the coolest car ever. I love its shape. I love the design. I love it in the convertible form because that's the only way you should get this car. By the time that I, my wife and I started to have some money, and she's like, well, you know, we could go buy a Z3 for you. Same year they decided to cancel the Z3. No! 2000 and, what is it, 2002, something like that. And it's also the same time we decided we'd have kids, and there's no way in a, in a uh, two-seat convertible that you can have two kids. Well, you can, but you got to cram them right away. Sure you there. can, but you got to let them drive. You know the sad uh, part is? What's that? I, I actually drove one of these. Really? My, one of my... One of my friends, uh, I, I used to work at a television station. One of my friends was an anchor. She was a, you know, rather privileged young lady. She had a Z3. We went out one night. She got plastered. I didn't. My God, that car moved like it was. I know. It's a great car. Loved it. I, I love and this it. Is I the think thing. it's a great I was driving it. And I'm 6'3 and was probably 375 at the time. And I was driving it and I wasn't in pain. That's how impressive this little sports car was. Yeah, it is a great car. I love it. Uh, I still, if I could find one with low miles, I would do everything in my power to get one. But most of them now have over 100,000 miles on them because it's just a car you want to go out and drive the hell out of. The Z4, blah. That's a car I could vomit all over and no one would give a crap. Ah, puke at you, car. <laughs> That car, that went until 2008. I'm glad that they canceled that one. But the Z3 always will be a place in my heart for a low-mile blue-silver metallic, you know, the, the bluish-silver metallic mm. BMW Z3 convertible. Oh, how I want one. Well, I never should have canceled that car. I'm sure your midlife crisis will track <laughs> one down for you. Matthew, we are to number three. Number three. Those who listen to me will probably hear an a, abundance of wrestling slang 
in uh, the things that I say here and there, if you know where to listen to it. You know, I will talk about a schmoz and a heel turn, and I will talk about, you know, whether or not somebody has wielded the book properly. But for me, something that never should have been canceled. The year was 1994. And the National Wrestling Association had a big problem where they had just split with World Championship Wrestling. And they needed a new world champion. And so they put their belt on a man named Shane Douglas. Now, Shane Douglas was working closely with a man named Paul Heyman. Shane Douglas won the belt, threw it down, and declared himself the first extreme championship wrestling champion. ECW Wrestling. And, you know, it ran probably 10 years. I think it ran from like 94 to 2001 ish. But ECW was the place where most of the things that anybody who watched wrestling in the nineties, anybody who watches wrestling today, the things that you love probably started in ECW. And Paul Heyman, who was the owner and operator of ECW, managed to make champions and make credible wrestlers out of people who weren't enormous Hulk Hogan people who weren't these, you know, charismatic dynamos. You didn't have a a guy like Kevin Nash who got by on the fact that he has a massive barrel chest on top of his chicken legs. Their world champion was a five foot seven inch fat guy from Brooklyn. But when Heyman pushed him, he became the Tasmaniac. He became the human suplex machine. He became an unstoppable force. And the guys who worked in ECW are the guys who are behind the scenes and, you know, in the ring, really shaping wrestling even today, 10, 20 years later. And it really disappointed me in 2001 when ECW finally got a television deal with the Nashville Network. And they went on the air and then nothing and then nothing and then nothing. And one afternoon I was watching ECW and Paul Heyman came on the TV and he's like, I'm glad you're watching this show. I think it's a miracle because TNN does nothing to promote it. And when they finally went under, I was very disappointed. And I I, I feel like we could have gotten another 15 or 20 years of brilliance out of what was ECW. And the fact that, you know, these guys are still out there don't change the fact that it's a shame that ECW went down the way it did, and it never should have been canceled. Very good. Very, very good. Rodrigo, over to you. Okay, so you know what they totally should have never canceled? There's this um, drink that was If you say Zima, I'm going to come over there and slap you. They canceled Zima? <laughs> I'm sure they... I what, don't know. <laughs> what are tools going to drink? <laughs> Madeline Zima from the nanny? <laughs> um, no, I'm talking about Orbit's soda. Oh, yeah, yeah. The stuff right? that had the floaty things it in it? It has, like, floaty bubbles. Here's... here's I, I really like the description in Wikipedia. Orbit's was the product name of a non-carbonated, fruit-flavored beverage made by the company Clearly Canadian... That had edible balls <laughs> floating in it. Yeah. I remember seeing those and thinking, what and, in and the And that's hell? what they were. Edible balls. Um, it was not spectacular <laughs> in any way. There was just really kind of nothing to it. Except the fact that you've always wanted a mouthful of balls. <laughs> <laughs> Except that it... And, you know, people were like, it looks like a lava lamp. And I'm like, dude, it's like drinking a lava lamp. How awesome is that? You know, if you've had bubble tea or, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I've things, had with, tea things with tapioca in yeah, it, yeah. then you know that that is way, way better than Orbit's ever was. <laughs> Orbit's uh, texturally enhanced alternative beverage. Yep. It was weird. <laughs> and I, it's not you know, just a drink. I'm much more, uh, you know, into the concept of it, the way that it looked than the way that it tasted. Because really it didn't taste like anything um, other than sugar. Apparently, if you have an unopened bottle of Orbitz, you can probably get some money for it. Because yeah. there's collectors out there. And at work, we have one. We got... Really? Yeah. Apparently, when it first came out, they sent one as a, as a sample. Or they sent a bunch as a sample. And one of our producers saved one. So we have a bottle of Orbitz. We should probably see if we can That'll save our keep PBS the station, station. Yeah. Keep the station alive for six more years. Yeah, we should try that. Ugh, orbits. 
All right. Oh, wow. Something they should never have canceled. I remember seeing that in the stores. I'm on. uh, Hey, what are you finding? I'm on the eBay right now. (laughs) I'm looking for Orbit's drink. And the last one that sold, sold for $65. There you go. Hey, that's a family membership. There you go. All right. Number three for me. I haven't talked about a TV show yet, so let's get into TV shows. This came out in 2007. Ran for, I think, like two seasons, two and a half seasons, <coughs> 31 episodes. Uh, it's about a kid named Sam who, on his 21st birthday, finds out that his parents had sold his soul to the devil. What? Yes. Sam had gotten sick as a young, young boy, and um, the parents had uh, said that if if the devil could could cure him and make him better, that... Um, that they'd give him his soul or I, I guess his, uh, his father was very sick. Um, yeah, his father was sick and in exchange for the soul, they're going to give, uh, their first give their born. firstborn son. And then they said, Oh, well we'll cheat the devil by never having kids. But then the devil tricked, uh, their doctor into telling them that they could never have kids. At which point Sam was born right. on his 21st birthday. The devil comes to Sam and tells him, you're going to be my bounty hunter. You're going to go and, uh, capture souls that have escaped from hell. And Sam says, no. But then he says, you know what? If I don't do this, the devil's going to take my mom's soul. And all these evil souls are still going to be running around. So I think I will do good by working for the devil and capturing all these souls. Uh, great premise. Great idea. Well, maybe not a great premise. But the idea was that each week the devil played by uh, Ray Wise, I believe is, is uh, the character uh, who did that. The actor, Uh, the actor, man, that guy is awesome as the devil. Each week he'd give him some weird device. Like in the first episode, it was a, uh, a dust devil Mm -hmm. and they had to use that to capture the soul. They had to suck up the escaped uh, soul. And so he, Sam and his friend sock, who I thought was a brilliant character and their other friend, Ben, uh, would go around Ghostbusters style right. and try to recapture these souls. And uh, really good. In fact, the first episode, the pilot, was directed by Kevin Smith, which I thought was really, really well done. It was a production that was done in Canada. And the other best thing about this show is it had the cutest girl on television ever. Well, maybe not because Rachel Bilson's still on television. Mm-hmm. Missy Peregrine. That girl is smoking hot. She played Sam's kind of co-worker slash love interest, Andy. Uh, She did a great job. Um, The entire series was great. But then just because of writer's strike and probably because the fact that it was on the CW or the WB or whatever it was, Mm -hmm. really struggled in the second season and they canceled it. And it was really going good. I mean, they got some good plot hooks, some good ongoing stories that were were happening, and they canceled it. (sighs) Ah. Reaper, the TV show. Go check it out if you can. If it's, it's out on, there, it's check on, it out. It's on Netflix. I Is hardly, it? Oh, okay. Oh. Did, have you watched it? Did you like it, Rodrigo? Um, I've probably seen the... I think I've seen the first season all the way through, and I started into the second season, and then I just got... First season's really the awesome, yeah. awesome stuff. It's it's pretty solid, and um, I like... Like, it's, it's more subtle than... You know, a, a comedy about a kid being, uh, you know, having his soul right. to the devil would, right. would, would lead you to believe. And, and um, I like that there's always this reluctance to do things. Like, there's never like, well, the pilot's over. Let's get into the villain of the week thing. There's always yeah. this thing where he's trying to get out of it. Right. And trying to find his way out of having this deal with the devil. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Let's get on to number twos. Matthew, number two. Number two, number two. Hi there, my name is Matthew, and I like cheese. One of the great, I think, boons that I had growing up was that I I either had a parent who didn't stop me from interrupting, you know, interfacing with things that were inappropriate for my age, and also sometimes they just didn't care. So when I was uh, probably 15 or 16 years old, I started getting really into Saturday morning cartoons. This later worked well for me because I actually had to watch them, you know, for a living. But in 1987, Ralph Bakshi brought back a classic cartoon character 
Mighty Mouse and did like uh, I think a season, a season and a half of the new adventures of Mighty Mouse. I remember that. And this was some freaky stuff. It was really, really bizarre. It had kind of a I'm not even sure how to describe it. It wasn't really reactionary. It wasn't really uh, iconoclastic. It was just over-the-top weird stuff. Um, Mighty Mouse finally got a secret identity, and then he had this, this sidekick character who really just shot all the tropes of the cute kid sidekick in the face. Of course, there was a big to-do over whether he might actually have been sniffing cocaine on on panel. Not sure what that was about. But all in all, this was a very grown-up take on a pretty ridiculous character. And it really kind of cemented for me that when you're dealing with that whole superhero trope, a funny animal can be just as legitimately a superhero as Batman. And anybody who thinks differently hasn't seen this series because it's really, really well done. Marvel actually did a comic book adaptation where they did... And this is incredibly incestuous. They did a parody where Mighty Mouse had to gather all the greatest heroes, and they called it Mices on Infinite Earths. Nice. Yeah. But nothing will com- nothing will compare with that first season of Ralph Bakshi's Mighty Mouse New Adventures, just for wild stuff. I remember sitting there and laughing as my mother was trying to figure out why the evil bald pate was funny. But, you know, it was fascinating to me. And I think that this one is also available on DVD. It only did like a season and a half. And I, I blame the Reverend Donald Wildman. There was a big to do. And I believe it was canceled due to, you know, internet meddling or not internet rather, but uh, a network meddling. People just kind of coming down and saying, no, no, you can't do this. This stuff is weird. And you're, you're weird and stop being weird. And the weird was half the fun. So that's my number two. Excellent. Rodrigo, number two to you. My number two is a another television show, um, which, you know, I've gotten a lot of flack for liking this show, um, although some of my friends are kind of jerks, so it's understandable. Why'd you say that when you were looking at me? Um, <laughs> well, for one, you're the only other jerk, in the, I mean, person in the room. Um, no, but I, I had a lot of friends who were like, why do you, like, I would mention to them, and I was like, oh, yeah, I was watching the show. And they were like, why would you watch that show? You should watch Saturday Night Live instead. It's a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I'm talking about Matt TV. Mm. Matt TV had a lot of craptacular skits. Right. But they had a lot of just outright brilliant skits. And I think a big part of what made the first few seasons of Matt TV great was that it actually had a really good cast. Mm-hmm. Those guys from that those first few seasons have gone on to do a lot of other things um, in TV and especially in voice acting. Um, you know, Phil Lamar came out of there, Nicole mm-hmm. Sullivan, uh, Alex Bornstein, who are, um, I think, uh, Green Lantern, the most of the characters on Kim Possible and most uh, of the Lois, extra voices and Lois Griffin, <laughs> re- you know, respectively. Oh yeah. Um, and and Phil Lamar's and everything, right? Um, yep. They had some just ridiculously funny skits, and there are skits that were are funny but are very difficult to talk about. Like there's this skit where like a guy is trying to put on his Christmas lights, and he just keeps falling off the roof, <laughs> and that's it. That's the whole thing. But he just does it like four times, and each time it gets like more and more ridiculous. He's trying to put it up, and that's it. That's that's this whole skit. Um, they have some real talented people on and i think they just really managed to pull this off and it actually matt tv went on for a long time right um one of my favorite skits the montel chilliams uh is is just absolutely fantastic because and and like the craftsmanship of it because it's one long take um as the guy playing montel goes through like moves through it from the from the studio to his green room rapping about how he smokes weed Mm -hmm. um it's just like a really because it didn't basically it looked at saturday night live's model and said what can we get rid of what can we improve what can we not do and basically they got rid of the live part of it and said wow this is a lot easier let's just do this um and i think it worked really well for a long time and eventually it went away 
you know, this isn't so much a they should have never canceled it because it did go off, uh, you know, for a long time. This is more of a, well, I kind of wish that I could still tune in and, and watch it every once in a while. Yeah. Yep, I understand that. Uh, number two for me, also a television show. It was named in the in 2007 by Time Magazine, one of the 100 greatest shows of all time. Whoa. Look at the list of, of stars that this was in. I'm going to probably butcher a few names, but uh, Linda Car- Card- uh, Cardellini. Mm-hmm. Cardinelli, uh, John Cardellini. Francis Daly, James Franco, Sam Levine, Seth Rogen, Jason Siegel, Martin Starr, sort of Busey Phillips, Busey Phillips, uh, Joe Flaherty, mm-hmm. Joe Flaherty, blah, blah, kids. Uh, this is the story of Lindsay Weir, played by Linda Cardellini, and her brother Sam Cardellini, Cardellini who attend the William McKinley High School in the town of Chippewa, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a period piece set in the uh, early 1980s. And it's all about these two growing up, brother and sister growing up, and how they go down different paths. Lindsay originally was a very straight, proper student. And then when she got into high school, or at some point in the show, we don't really see it happen. She's already this way when... Um, when the show, show starts, but she starts hanging out with all these slackers. She just is, mm-hmm. uh, experiments with drugs. She's just wearing, you know, slacker clothing. Mm-hmm. And then her brother, Sam, who is just starting high school and trying to figure out where he's going in life is still hanging out with his best friends who are big geeks. Yes. Colossal geeks. Colossal geeks. Um, and it was a brilliant was really- show. That was kind of the, I guess the closest equivalent you could say is it's, it's, a, it's somewhat equivalent to Wonder Years, mm-hmm. but it's set, the, you know, 20 80s. years into 20 years in the future, uh, specifically 1980 to 81 is when this was uh, set. Uh, Freaks and Geeks was a wonderful show, barely aired a full season. I remember discovering this uh, probably about two episodes in when it was running on NBC. And I was just like, this is brilliant. What a great show. What great characters. What Touching Subjects, executive produced by Judd Apatow. All of these people that you hear in this, these are those movies before they were stars. Right, right. Because James Franco, Jason Segel, Seth Rogen, huge stars after this. And if you want to see a really fat Seth Rogen, watch this show. Um, What was really weird about this? What was really weird about this show? And I do. (laughs) What was really weird about this show is it was set in Chippewa, Michigan, yet the scenes that take place during, like, supposedly during Halloween, Mm -hmm. it's like it's clearly shot in Southern California. Yeah. Because there's leaves on the trees, people are walking around with short sleeves, and nobody seems to be too concerned about it being cold, and doesn't look anything like you would expect Michigan to look. So that was one of the things that I always like. Really, you guys got a little bit of continuity going wrong in that. The show was originally picked up for 18 episodes. 13 of them aired, and then they canceled the show because of low ratings. Not Mm -hmm. a lot of people were watching this. And granted, I think it was on like a Wednesday or Thursday night. I think it was on opposite Buffy the Vampire Slayer or something Mm -hmm. like that, if I remember correctly. But it was on at one of those odd times that people normally wouldn't be watching it. And so then they dropped it. But it had such a huge fan base that uh, letter writing campaign uh, got NBC to bring it back for bring back three of the unedited episodes, and everybody was really excited because they thought that the series was going to continue and get picked up. Those three episodes didn't get a lot of ratings. They canceled it again. The only way to see the full eighteen episodes is to get it on DVD. Mm-hmm. Now, kind of spinning off from that was a show, a different group of characters. I mean, some of the same actors appeared in it. Uh, like Jason Siegel appeared later, and it was called Undecided, mm-hmm. which ran on Fox. And it was a show about a kid who had graduated high school and was now starting his first year at college. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of explored the same themes. But that Judd Apatow uh, troupe right. uh, of actors and writers and talent just sprang out of Freaks and Geeks. And if you go and watch 40-Year-Old Virgin, and if you go watch some of other Apatow's movies, you'll see them all appear in there. Oh, even even uh, Sam. Super bad. Yeah. Um, uh, John Francis Daly. And the, the the breakout character of that was Martin Starr, the kid that played... Um, uh, what the hell was his name? Um, Bill Haverchuk. Um, 
you see him in the background of a lot of Apatow movies. Like in 40-Year-Old Version, they're in one of the restaurant scenes, and you see him in the background just eating dinner. Right. And it's just like, there's Haverchuk. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. You know, it's really kind of cool. And I don't know. This was this was a genuinely sweet special show. If you like, uh, what's the, the pregnant movie? The... Um, the pregnant, knocked up, the knocked up movie, another Apatow movie. How mm-hmm. or the forty year old version? In among all the crazy shenanigans is a sweet story. Right, right. That's what this was. But for thirteen weeks, you got to see a sweet story in forty six minutes, and it was a brilliantly well done. It's out on DVD. You can still pick it up. But it is a show that, on the one hand, they never should have canceled. It should have at least gone on for four seasons. But on the other hand, if it hadn't have been canceled, all of these actors wouldn't have been forced to go out there and do 40-year-old version, Knocked Up, Spider-Man, Green Hornet, any of these things. So on the one hand, Scooby-Doo. So on the one hand, it was probably (laughs) a good thing that they did cancel it. So you're saying it might have been a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. On on the one hand, it's it's probably a a good thing that it did get canceled so that these actors could move on and do stuff. Poor Joe Flaherty, though. Um, But it's one that I really wish they hadn't canceled. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, it was and awesome. It's one of those few shows that I actually watched as it was coming out. Yeah. Oh like, I was really bad about keeping up with TV, but I was mm-hmm. like, nope, I got to go watch Freaks and Geeks. When it came out, I was glued. I mean, when I saw that first episode, and it wasn't the first for me, it was like the third episode. I was like, wow, this is awesome. It was like a less depressing my so-called life. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it had, it, it had some very sad moments. Mm-hmm. It had some very funny moments. I mean, the one where they... They get the keg, and they get drunk, and then later they find out that it was near beer. It wasn't. Yeah. It was fake beer. Hysterical. Haverchuk was a breakout character, that Martin Starr character, and the episode that focused on him and his broken home um, was brilliant. I mean, it's one that you watch, and you're like, I really feel sorry for this kid. I'm going to cry, too, all right. because his mom works all the time. His dad's not around. Um, he comes home every night, and the reason why he references so many pop culture things in the 1980s because that's all he does. He'd come home at night, eats a frozen dinner and watches reruns of Sanford and Son and Gilligan's Island and Star Trek and all of these these things that are going on. And then the worst thing that can happen to a geek, mom starts dating the high school gym coach. Mm-hmm. And he just thinks his world is about ready to collapse. One of the best episodes in that series was that episode. Um, but check it out, Freaks and Geeks. All right. We are down. Bones? To number one. I have seen Bones at least once. The little brother grows up to be the psychologist from Bones. Oh, yep. really? Interesting. Yep. Cool. I will have to maybe yeah, watch more of that. Kind of freaky. And geeky. Maybe. No, don't. Let's get to our number ones. Number one. All right. Let's talk about our number ones. Okay. I agonized about our, my number one, mostly because I don't do these in you know ranking order because... Being a kind of a filthy hippie at heart, I don't necessarily like to rank and categorize things and say this is better than this. It's really more of a list of this is the thing that I want to say a lot about and this is the thing that I want to say a little bit about. And this is the thing that I kind of forgot that I wanted to say things about. So I stuck it in as number three and then pushed something else down to number six because I can do that. It's my list, my rules. I make them up. But I started thinking and arguing about two shows, both of which were struck down in their prime both of which had similarities in their tone and similarities in their whole, you know, their thing, their genre smash, if you will, a combination of two things. You take your sci-fi in your one hand and kind of your Western in your other hand, and you kind of smoosh them all up together. And I said to myself, yes, let's talk about this sci-fi Western that only ran a season. Then I went, wait a minute. I would rather talk about the original sci-fi Western that only ran two and a half seasons because I don't count Spock's brain. They never should have canceled the original Star Trek, or at least they should have given them a chance to make up for that god-awful third season of Space Hippies and Madness. Because if you actually watch these shows, I've recently started watching these on the fl- the streaming. Uh, I'm not saying that it's uh, Netflix, but they are flicks over the net. Um, my daughter and I have been watching these, and she's trying to tell me, you know, explain to me what's going on. And I really like seeing things through her eyes because I can kind of look at the cool stuff. And she she's explained to me who's the coolest and who's the strongest and who's the toughest. And none of them are Kirk. Mm-hmm. So 
I, I'm not I'm not really sure why, but if you actually go back and watch some of these episodes, they are really quantifying a lot of pop culture. Mm-hmm. And not just on the level of be, be me up, Scotty, which, by the way, he never said during the realm of the show. All 79 episodes and 23 animated episodes, he never said be me up, Scotty. But it's it's an attempt to do a future utopia. It's an attempt to be inclusive. It's an attempt to give a little bit of everything to someone and make sure that you have a little somebody for everything because this is a utopia. This is the world where everything went well. And the aliens, now the aliens aren't anything. They're just guys with crabs on their heads. They didn't have crabs in the original series, but, you know, we'll stay with it here. 79 episodes, 56 of them excellent, 10 more kind of good. That's a really, really high margin for me. 60 out of 80 episodes. Six out of eight, that's like three out of four, or almost half, hmm. are really, really good. And even if you go back and you look at it and you, you make fun of, you know, Leonard Nimoy's passive delivery and the fact that Shatner has, in fact, become a cliche because of the show, even the moments where McCoy looks up to the camera and meaningfully says, I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer, you have to love this show and it's easy to get involved in this show and it's really easy to see how people have taken these 79 episodes and built and extrapolated four additional series and a cartoon and 12 movies and you know successfully relaunched the franchise with not necessarily even a reboot sort of a an, an extension where we go back and then time changed and time is fleeting and madness takes a toll I feel like the fact that they actually canceled a show this well-written, probably because they saw Spock's brain, really says something about the 1960s. And I think a show like that today probably wouldn't have lasted even a single season. So the original Star Trek for me is my number one. They never should have canceled it. Very good. Let that sink in, listeners. Rodrigo, what is the top of the charts for you? The top thing that I think they should have never canceled is another TV show. Okay. I, I like to watch TV when I get the chance. Really? Um, I do. I think I enjoy television a lot. Uh, that is probably why I work in television. Mm-hmm. Um, little did I know that there is a, a, is a just awful, awful side to it. Um, there's a dark side. Yes, there's a dark side, and I am under it, and it is sweaty. <laughs> but, um, so, back in the 1980s, a bunch of government employees got uh, some DNA from famous dead guys and cloned them to uh, to, to, to make a, a new generation <laughs> Of of awesome world leaders, so all of the all of the great luminaries are are there. The DNA of uh, Abe Lincoln, Mahatma Gandhi, Cleopatra, <laughs> Mark Antony, um, uh, the the JFK, Ponce de Leon, Catherine, Ponce de Leon, Catherine the Great, um, Dolly the Sheep. You know the all all, all of the great ones in there. I am of course talking about Clone High. What a what a fantastic fantastic show starring Will Forte as as the main character Abe Lincoln, um, and uh, Michael McDonald as his best bud Mahatma Gandhi, uh, just such an amazing premise for a show. So you have all these characters who are teenage versions of all these historical people living together, interacting all the time. Abe Abe is in love with Cleopatra. Um, Cleopatra loved JFK. Um, <laughs> Joan of Arc has a huge crush on Abe. So there's this love triangle going on. Um, it's just hilarity every second of the day. You know, every once in a while, Joan of Arc, who, you know, is very uh, tense about not hearing God, which is basically what she was cloned for to see if she could still hear God gets upset so she goes to the wood shop to talk to Jesus Cristo <laughs> who's you know always at the wood shop of course um so you know it, it's it's good times um uh, also starring Nicole Sullivan from Mad TV yeah 
Um, I think maybe Phil Lamar was in it too at some point. Maybe not. Um, Andy Phil Lamar Dick. is in everything. Yeah, Phil Lamar is in everything. Uh, Donald Faison. Basically, you talk about freaks, the the freaks and geeks collective right. exploding onto you know the Judd Apatow um, right. works. This is this is where Scrubs came from. Oh, really? As well as yeah, because Zach Braff came through it. Sarah Chalk was in it. Um, eventually, guys that were Donald Faison, you know, which are basically the. Aside from Carla, mm-hmm. they're 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 the three uh, main characters from Scrubs. Uh, pass through it, um, and it I don't know. It's just it's such a funny funny show right now. If you went and you watched it, some of the references would be dated because they reference Tom Green, Marilyn Manson, um, Mina Suvari's forehead. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you get past that, it's still a, a, a relevant and hilarious show. And unfortunately, unfortunately, it ends in a giant cliffhanger. Yeah, and was not picked up for a second uh. season. It is just the pits. It's what always happens. It's awful. It it represents everything that I think this top five encapsulates. Something great, great ideas, great execution. Cut in its prime, never to be seen again. Clone high. MTV can make quality shows. Yep. Number one for me, kind of a little politically based, but you know what? We we should be, as Matthew had his number one as, as Star Trek, we should be out there amongst the stars and at least be on the moon or Mars, but we can't. Why? Because the government keeps canceling NASA in effect. <laughs> Canceling space programs, Apollo gone, uh, the uh, planned trips to the moon that are coming up uh, canceled, the space shuttle program, where's the where's the replacement for the space shuttle program, the space program, NASA, I'm looking at you, you're canceling too much, we're going to be stuck on this dirty, filthy, overcrowded planet for the rest of our lives if we don't get out there and do something. The only way we can do it is by investing and making the commitment to get to the moon before this century is out, before the Chinese do. Plant that flag and set up a base. You know, we've already been to the moon. I know, but we need to go back. I need to go to to build a base. To build a base. So that then we can catapult to Mars. So we can then use, actually, I was thinking we could use railgun technology to bomb our enemies on Earth. But Uh, okay, sure. To Mars, if that's where you want to go. But yes, the moon is that (sighs) stepping point. That moon is that stepping point to the rest of the solar system. And whether we're just inhabiting Mars or whether we're able to terraform or not terraform or whatever's going on, space program needs to be better developed than it has been. And there are certainly other countries like China. uh, What's the other one? Australia or somebody? I forget who the other one is. This recently um, has announced their program. But China will be the next country to Mars and they will establish a base if we don't get there first and establish that base. So bring back the space program. Let's get out there amongst the stars. Let's explore. Stop canceling our space programs, government. And that's our number one. Yeah. Do you do you think that the, the, the subsequent privatization of, of space is actually going to help things? I think what, um, what's his name, Virgin Atlantic guy is mm-hmm. doing. Um, Sir Richard Branson. Yes. What he's doing to try to commercialize space, I think, is a good step. But if he can't figure out a way to make it economical to where only the 1% are going up there, um, I think he can do it. And certainly some of the other private initiatives, not just Branson's initiative, uh, but like I don't think he's the one sponsoring the X Prize. Mm-hmm. Um, but those people are have got it right. No, the, the people sponsoring the X Prize is the Xavier Institute. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yes, privatization yeah. might be the other way to go. But certainly getting out there needs to happen. And and we're too focused internally, mm-hmm. too focused on the planet itself to really think about getting out there. And granted, if we don't have technologies, if we're still reliant on fossil fuels, well, you know, basically the hydrogen, oxygen, combustion, gas expansion that we're used to get up there now. Um, yeah, that's that's problematic, especially when you're lifting so much tonnage mm-hmm. and you're wasting 90 percent of your fuel getting, you know, out of the atmosphere, just out of the atmosphere. Yeah. That becomes very problematic. And I think that's one of the reasons why the space station is faltering and why there's going to be soon nobody on that space station. Mm -hmm. Um, but certainly if we can figure out a better technology, whether that be 
the nanotube elevator, space elevator, or whatever it is to get that technology off the planet and into space, that's what we need to be investing in. But they keep canceling it every time you turn around. Uh, Obama administration canceled Nick's part of the budget to NASA to go to the moon again. So Mm -hmm. there you go. And there you go, listeners, our top fives. What about some also rands? What do you got, Rodrigo? Dark Shadows. Dallas Texans for me. Nice. Uh, uh, the, the, X, the XFL. The XFL. That was actually kind of awesome. Titan Maximum. Uh, the 2011-2012 NBA season. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah, else, Matthew? Firefly. Oh. Auto-tune the news as a thing. Okay. Listeners, now it's your turn. You've got the comment section. There's a link. Head over there. Tell us what your top five things that should never have been canceled are and why. Why are they awesome? Why were they Why were they foolish to cancel XYZ? Whatever that fill-in-the-blank item is, let us know. And who knows? Maybe in a future episode, we will uh, we'll read some of those. Such as, just from a, a previous episode, just this... Uh, past couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago, the one where we were doing the top five uh, uh, fictional villains. Mm -hmm. We had all sorts of comments coming from that. Here's just a rundown of uh, some of the people and what they had commented on. Uh, Andreas said Scar from The Lion King, Mm -hmm. great fictional villain. Uh, Professor Moriarty, uh, The Joker, Skeletor, Darth Vader. Uh, Atomic Knight said he agreed with the uh, Stefano Demira uh, villain. Uh, Jimmy said... Miles Edgeworth uh, from the Phoenix Wright series, GLaDOS that uh, Rodrigo had mentioned, uh, Manga Khan from uh, the Justice League International, um, Mr. Nebula, Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan, uh, Doom is what Billy Billy Swag said is one of his favorite fictional villains are, and then our good friend uh, Bruce Otter said Lord John Warfin, Emilio Lazardo from mm-hmm. Buckaroo Banzai across the Eighth Dimension, Sauron, Big Brother from 1984, Number Two from The Prisoner. And uh, uh, Umbridge, Dr. Uh, Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. So those are just a sampling of what many of the listeners have uh, said were their top five fictional villains. We want to know what you think of the top five uh, things that should never have been canceled. And that wraps it up for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed it. We will be back next time. Let me look real quick what we're talking about next time. Uh, Are next we doing time, the reverse of this one next time? Oh, we should. We really should. Um, but let me... Uh, actually, we are going to be doing... Top 5 Musicals. Nice. Put on your dancing shoes. Get ready to tap your feet. Musicals. Next time Musical. on Top 5. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at MySpace.com slash Majorspoilers. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply.